You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, For those of you who weren't online this week or missed SNL this weekend, a guy, a try guy, who is also a wife guy, had an affair with a co-worker who is not a guy, and the discovery of this affair, which featured in a supporting role, Harry Styles, a guy who tried skirts and got accused of queer baiting, the discovery of this affair that the try guy had led the other three try guys to kick the wife guy try guy out of the try guys which the three remaining Try Guys discussed in a five and a half minute long, very self-important, very self-serious video they posted to their wildly successful YouTube channel where they have nearly 8 million subscribers. For those of you who don't know what a Try Guy is, I will summarize. The Try Guys are four guys who used to work at BuzzFeed together who would try things and post videos of them trying things to YouTube. They would try wearing thongs, eating bugs, they tried labor pains, they tried it all. Eugene Lee Yang, Zach Kornfeld, Keith Harbersberger, and Ned Fulmer got internet famous, left BuzzFeed, and built their own little media empire, well, not so little media empire, where they continued to try things. And for those of you who don't know what a wife guy is, I'm gonna let Wikipedia do the summarizing here. A wife guy, is a man whose fame is owed to the content he posts to social media about his wife. Wikipedia goes on, the New York Times compared wife guys to incels who define themselves by their inability to find a partner in that a wife guy defines himself by having found one and expects to be congratulated for it. Okay, the first thing I read about the Try Guys controversy last week was on Vulture, New York Magazine's pop culture website, where I read this. In a a five-and-a-half-minute video titled, What Happened?, the remaining guys, Yang, Kornfeld, and Harbersberger, spoke about the timeline behind the departure of resident wife guy Ned Fulmer, who has admitted to a, quote, non-consensual workplace relationship, close quote. A what now? Fulmer admitted to a non-consensual workplace relationship? And yes, those three words, non-consensual workplace relationship, were in quotes. So yeah, I could see why the other Try Guys had to fire Fulmer. A non-consensual workplace relationship isn't a relationship. If it involves sex, it's rape. If it involves forced labor, it's slavery. I read that and literally thought Fulmer had admitted to raping a staffer. It wasn't until five long-ass paragraphs later that Vulture got around to quoting from Ned Fulmer's actual statement, which he posted to Instagram, a statement that had the letters N and O and N in it, but not in that order. Family should have always been my priority, read Fulmer's statement in part, but I lost focus and had a consensual workplace relationship. Yeah, there is a big difference between a consensual workplace relationship, like an affair with a coworker, and a non-consensual workplace relationship, which would involve sexual abuse or exploitation or assault or enslavement. That errant non was on Vulture for a full day before someone did something about it. Full disclosure, someone at Vulture saw me tweeting, wait, what, huh, about that non and decided they might want to correct the post before they got sued by a newly non-employed try guy. In an actually pretty funny skit on SNL this weekend, Iho Woden played a befuddled CNN anchor who couldn't quite understand what the big, big deal here was. A co-worker and friend had an affair, two co-workers had an affair with each other, and okay, Fulmer probably should have been fired for it, but what was the big fucking deal with this self-important video? People have affairs with and without their coworkers all the time. Now, for the record, Fulmer probably should have been fired. He was having an affair with someone who worked under him, and his actions, which were reckless and indiscreet, put the whole company, their little media empire, at risk of bad press, which it's now getting in piles, and potential lawsuits. And while I will sometimes sign off on an affair when an affair is the least worst option for all involved, I'm not prepared to sign off on this one. Although I do recognize that telling people what they shouldn't do and can't do makes 
doing that thing, sometimes more alluring, people really shouldn't have sex with people who work for them. Fucking your sub is one thing, fucking your subordinate is another. Still, not entirely trusting my own judgment here, I asked my followers on Twitter to give me a gut check by explaining the Try Guy controversy to me in a single tweet. He tried, got caught, got fired, replied Andrew Genzer. Millennials and Gen Z shocked that wife guy online persona does not match actual personality or behavior, reacts accordingly to societal expectations of strict monogamy, replied Guppel's blog. Ugh, some YouTube guy had an affair with one of their producers and got outed by a fan who photographed them making out in public. The guy was a pretty big wife guy, so everyone is both scandalized and smug about it. The other try guys are inordinately upset about all this, posted Matt Gomp, to which Tasha Velacroix responded, their friend lied to them and had an affair with an employee of their jointly owned company. Their careers and brand are impacted. The friendship is over. I barely know who the Try Guys are, and even I can tell they're not inordinately, but rather rightly upset. Okay, we'll give Tasha the last word there, but where it got weird for me was the other three Try Guys reacted like Fulmer had cheated on them and every single one of their millions of followers and fans. They were justifiably upset, but seemed to be taking it weirdly personally, like they were the spouses, not the business partners here. I mean, they did turn around and make a big deal of doing the YouTube channel media empire equivalent of someone deleting their ex's photos from their Instagram account, not only by removing Fulmer from upcoming Try Guy videos, but by editing him out of the Try Guy video archives. In two weeks, in the time that elapsed between Fulmer being spotted by a Try Guys fan making out with someone who wasn't his wife at a Harry Styles concert, to the other Try Guys bringing in outside help to conduct a full investigation and then firing Fulmer, Fulmer went from Try Guys circa 2022 to Unperson a la 1984, airbrushed out of Try Guy history like some member of the Politburo who ran afoul of Joseph Stalin in the 1930s. The one person who hasn't deleted Fulmer, at least not yet, is the one person with the most cause to be furious with Fulmer. That would be his wife and the mother of his children, Ariel Fulmer, who was quoted in Vulture saying that the couple was working on working things out. Trying to sum it all up, Rebecca Alter at Vulture writes, don't make wife guy your whole personality. To which I would add, probably not better, if you don't want to be made fun of on SNL, Probably not better to make being the guys who fired a guy for having a consensual, if problematic, workplace affair your whole personality either. Ned Fulmer will be back. He won't be able to sell himself as a devoted wife guy anymore. He can no longer pretend to be the perfect husband anymore. But he will probably be able to sell a redemption narrative at some point, assuming he manages to redeem himself in the eyes of his wife, if not his former business partners. If not that, then a sex addict narrative if he decides to go the Tiger Woods route, or most likely a getting through a messy public divorce and finding new love narrative. Because you know what they say, if your first marriage does not succeed, try, try again. Okay, coming up on today's show, on the micro, tons of your cues, lots of my A's, and on the magnum, Jessica Poffs joins me for a What You Got. She's a lecturer and sex researcher at Gothenburg University in Sweden, and she's here to talk about her new study on squirting. How do women who can do it feel about it? Super power or super awkward? Also for Magnum Subs this week, we've got a new sex and politics for you coming out on Thursday with author and activist Cory Doctorow. And in Savage Love, my column this week, exploring BDSM, with a partner who's a survivor of sexual violence and other control and kink-related questions, read Savage Love at savage.love slash savagelove right after you listen to this week's Savage Lovecast. Me Undies makes feel-good underpants your butt will be proud to wear and you will be proud to be seen in. They will be the most comfortable pair of underwear you will ever own. And to check it out yourself, go to meundies.com slash savage. 
Support for today's show, support we are very grateful for, comes from Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, you can access all the amazing services of the post office right from your desk in your own home, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just click print mail and you are done. It could not be easier. And right now, use Savage for this special offer. Includes up to 55 bucks worth of free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. Do not wait. Go to stamps.com and before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Savage. That's stamps.com. Enter S-A-V-A-G-E. Hey, Dan, Nancy, and the tech savvy youth. I have a question about dom-sub relationships with money. Recently, a sub contacted me through an app and asked how they could be of service to me via some financial means. And I thought it was a hope that it was fake until I left them my Venmo and $100 showed up. And then they asked for some feedback on how much pleasure I got from doing this and used sir when addressing me. So my question is, and kind of the context is, Dan, I grew up with not a lot of money. So this whole entire situation of just giving out money to someone else is very confusing to me. How can I be a good dom in this situation or a sir? What are the ethical practices, if any? I've asked them about their monthly living expenses and their wages, and those are things that I'm highly conscious of. So that's why I wanted to know it. And I was wondering, is there a sweet spot or a certain percentage of someone's earnings to ask for? Because they want to make this a regular thing. And lastly, how do you show appreciation for something like this? Are there good words to use or is there something more that I'm missing? I want to do this well so both of us benefit. There are some fin subs out there who want nothing in exchange. They just want to send money. They want to pay tribute to someone that they've found online who's a fin dom, who's hung out their shingle on Twitter and posted pictures of them flipping off the camera, posted pictures of their feet. Those are the two cliches. Uh, seeking fin subs and other fin subs want to shower money on somebody who didn't see it coming, who didn't ask for it and want to initiate a kind of dom sub relationship. Sounds like you stumbled onto the ladder. There are plenty of people out there, plenty of people out there advertising online, seeking fin subs. And this guy who is a fin sub vibed with you. Maybe he's already paying a lot of money or has paid money to self-identified, self-promoting fin-doms and it's just about you and your look and finding you attractive or he had bad experiences with guys who were doing fin-dom who were just avaricious or greedy or in it for the wrong reasons. And there are, of course, wonderful right reasons to be into fin-dom, fin-sub, there are fin-doms out there who are conscientious and ethical, who only take what uh, is offered, don't demand more, uh, don't demand more than a, a fin-sub can pay, and who recognize, even though the DS dynamic is a part of the game here, that this is a, a transactional relationship, that the sub is also getting something out of it too for their money. And what the sub wants out of that transactional relationship is really particular to each and every sub. This guy who asked you if he could send you money, if he could be your fin sub, what kind of fin sub does he want to be? Only he knows the answer to that question. We have one hint right now in that he initiated calling you sir in that follow-up message after he sent you that $100. And so obviously some kind of sir boy or master slave role play is part of what's in it for him. You could step outside of the dom sub dynamic and have a conversation with him and say, what is it that you want? How is it that you want me to treat you? Some people who are subs find that kind of conversation where you're negotiating as equals about how the dynamic is going to work that it sort of undermines the dynamic or ruins the dynamic and would rather just, you know, drop hints and gradually move in the direction of what it is that they want. And so, 
yeah, if you don't want to step out of it and have a, hey, let's just like zoom out to 30,000 feet here and have a conversation. How is it you want me to treat you? You can, you know, respond by calling him boy when he sends you that money because he's called you sir. And then maybe he'll drop other hints about how he wants to be treated. If he wants, you know, to be paying you for your time and attention, which is what FinSubs do. If what he wants is degradation for you to put him down, for you to talk dirty to him, for you to be demanding and obnoxious, I think he'll drop other hints that lead you in that direction. You know, there was a case many years ago of uh, financial dominant, a woman who was in a Finn's dom sub relationship with a man and she convinced him or ordered him to sign over his condominium to her. And this went to court and there was a case and it was a whole thing. That's clearly taking it too far, transferring property. But, you know, $50 here, $100 there from someone who can spare it. They don't have children or financial dependents who are starving. They're not living on ramen. They're not in danger of being uh, evicted. You can ethically enjoy the money and provide goods for services. You know, you are, even though you're getting the money, even though you are, quote unquote, the dominant, you are the provider. And, you know, the sub there has a lot of control. He can at any moment, stop sending you money, start sending money elsewhere, or just stop spending money like this. And so figure out what he wants. And if you enjoy getting that money, if you need that money, uh, if you just like having that money, if you like this dynamic, if you enjoy this game and this dance, enjoy it. But don't ask for more than he offers, even if part of the role play is him wanting you to demand from him. Demand what, you know, is reasonable within the framework of what he's offered. Push the envelope. Don't demand the condo. Hello, Dan. I'm a gay male in California. Been in a relationship for about 15 years. And something happened the other day. I can't kind of get it out of my head. I came home from work and just chilling, you know, and my partner starts switching the moves on me and he starts to initiate sex. And I really wasn't feeling it, but I kind of went along with it. I, I'm always trying to encourage them to be more spontaneous. I didn't want to kind of spoil it for them, I guess. But is that common in long-term couples, you know, to just sort of go along with it and kind of get yourself there by whatever means you can and just doing it for the other person, even if you're not really feeling it that much? Doing it for the other person, even if you're not feeling it very much, is so common in committed long-term relationships that it has a name. It's called maintenance sex. Sometimes you put out, not because you're feeling it, but because your partner is horny and they're making the moves and you don't want to tell them no. It's not like you're having sex that isn't consensual. It's not like you're having sex against your will. You're just having sex for a different reason. Not necessarily at that moment in the context of a long-term relationship that's not abusive. There's no coercion going on. You're having sex not to just, or not to at that moment, please yourself, but please your partner. You want your partner to be happy. You know, there's a lot of maintenance sex that goes on in all long-term committed relationships, open or not. Maintenance sex tends to characterize a lot of committed, strictly monogamous, relationships, when you are your partner's only option, when you want to be your partner's only sexual outlet, well, you have a responsibility then to meet your partner's reasonable sexual needs. That doesn't mean a la the Duggars. Remember the Duggars? It doesn't mean you can never say no to your husband or your wife or your NB spouse. You can say no, but there may be times when they're feeling it, you're not necessarily feeling it, but you're going to go through the motions, not telegraph to them that you're not feeling it. Uh, okay, yes, we can have sex. I don't want to, but you want to. Here we go. Nobody's going to want to have sex with someone who's behaving that way. That's basically rejecting them. But you may like, okay, fake it a little bit. Like, and every once in a while when you're having maintenance sex, when you are going through the motions because your partner was horny and you weren't horny and you wanted them to be happy and you wanted to meet their needs, even if you felt responsible 
to meet their needs. You turned them down last time or a couple of days ago, and now you're going to do it. You may find you catch a groove. Sometimes you start out having what feels like maintenance sex, doing it for the other person, and you get horny. Some people get horny and then want to have sex. Some people start having sex with one of those people and then get horny. So there are times when you're rewarded, you know, not with, you know, the, the intimacy, the connection, the sex, um, the pleasure you gave, that can be its own reward. But sometimes you're rewarded when you start going through the motions with sex that turns into something more for you than just going through the motions. When it becomes sex that you enjoy too and you're happy at the end that you said yes to it, not just for the pleasure you provided your partner, but for the amazing sexual experience that you just had to, that you would not have had, had your partner not initiated and had you not agreed, you know, silently in your own head, not out loud to your partner to go through the motions for them because you love them and care about them and want them to be happy. This episode is brought to you by me undies, makers of underpants so comfortable you will forget you're wearing underpants at all. Now I know I'm wearing mine because I got a compliment on my brand new and very comfy underpants this morning. And at the end of the day, I'm going to slip into my lounge pants, which are really great for nighttime because they're so comfy. Also, so easy on, easy off, easy right back on again, if you know what I mean. Seriously, their loungewear is my favorite. So comfy, so cool. And Nancy's kid loves her onesie. We have adult onesies at our place and the adult onesies coming out are the official sign that autumn has begun. And of course, MeUndies right now is cranking out their Halloween collection. MeUndies is back with new limited edition prints like Jack Attack, Nobody Like You, and Spell It Out. Grab undies, socks, bralettes, and more made from their feels-like-you-have-nothing-on-at-all micromodal fabric. And if you need a last-minute costume this Halloween, be lazy and transform yourself into a skeleton with their loungewear set, Lazy Bones. Match with your boo or fur baby in sizes from extra small to 4XL and make it your softest Halloween ever. And if you're not impressed with MeUndies, your first pair is on them. To get 20% off your first order and free standard shipping on U.S. orders, go to MeUndies.com slash savage. Let them know the Lovecast sent you. Go to MeUndies.com slash savage. Hi, mostly straight guy here with a question about monkeypox vaccines, specifically whether my partner and I should get them. I'm mostly straight, she's bi, we sometimes go to sex parties and have sex with women. Now, there are men who have sex with men at these parties, and our partners may be having sex with those men who have sex with men, so we were wondering, should we get vaccinated, or is this too many jumps to really make that necessary? I know there are limited amounts of monkeypox vaccines, and I don't want to take any from people who might need them more. I've looked at the CDC website, and I can't quite seem to get a handle on whether my partner and I should be getting vaccinated, or if we should wait so other people can. The people most at risk of monkeypox are gay and bi men, and men who have sex with men who do not identify as gay and bi. That said, there are gay men out there in monogamous relationships, successfully monogamous relationships, not gay men who define monogamy as we only play together, but two gay men who are in a sexually exclusive, long-term committed relationship. Those guys are at very low risk uh, of contracting monkeypox. Those guys may not need to get the monkeypox vaccine, just as those guys may not need to get on PrEP. There are straight people like yourself, not just imaginary straight people who can be conjectured, but straight people like you who are arguably at greater risk of contracting monkeypox than those guys out there in sexually exclusive, long-term committed, monogamous relationships. You are, I think, monkeypox risk adjacent. You going to sex parties. Sex parties seem to be one of the venues where monkeypox has really spread and spread and spread. And while you don't have sex with men, your partner has sex with women who have sex with men, some of whom are bisexual and maybe having sex with other men who have sex with men who are at risk of monkeypox and bringing it into that sex party environment. So I don't think you should have to wait much longer than you already have to go get the monkeypox vaccine if it's available in your area. You should be sensitive to demand 
contact whatever health department or authority in your area is making monkeypox vaccines available. Um, if there's a surplus of them, if there's monkeypox vaccines sitting on the shelf, particularly now that they're able to spread them farther, it used to be they're, they're getting five or 10 doses now out of a single vial instead of one or two, um, there may be more available in your area now with the new monkeypox vaccination regimen, which we've gone into with Dr. Carlton on the show. I'm not going to go into it again now. And so if you call your health department and there's monkeypox shots available, I, I think you with a clear conscience, given your risk profile, can go get that shot. If you call and there isn't enough to go around for the people at greatest risk right now, men who have sex with men, gay and bi men, black and brown, gay and bi men in particular, you might want to hang back just a little bit longer. The cavalry is on its way. More and more monkeypox vaccines are being ordered, are in the pipeline. More will become available in time. But if there are some available, if there are enough available right now where you are, yeah, I don't think you would be jumping the line. I don't think you and your girlfriend going and getting the monkeypox vaccine, maybe instead of, you know, the gay monogamous couple that doesn't really need it, I don't think you'd be doing anything wrong or unethical. Yikes, the holidays are slowly creeping up. If you own a small business, then you know what a big deal the holidays are, and now is the time to get super organized. Luckily, Stamps.com is everything you need to make your life a whole lot easier. It's the 24-7 post office that you can access from anywhere. No lines, no traffic, no hassle. Stamps.com is your one-stop shop for all your shipping and mailing needs. You'll get access to the USPS and UPS services you need to run your business right from your computer. And with inflation on the rise, every dollar saved counts. Protect your margins with major discounts on USPS and UPS rates up to 86% off. If you need a package pickup, you can easily schedule it through your Stamps.com dashboard. And if you're running an online store, Stamps.com works seamlessly with all the major shopping carts and marketplaces. Get ahead of the holiday chaos this year. Get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with the promo code SAVAGE for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and enter the code SAVAGE. Hi, Dan, Nancy, and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth. I'm a early 30s cishet male getting a single subject teaching credential in California, and uh, I've been substituting during that time. I've come across twice now an issue that I'm sure I'll have to deal with the rest of my teaching career, and that is one student calling another student a faggot. In the moment, I shut it down fast. I show that I'm upset with that kind of language, that it's not tolerated, and I try to lecture them on just how hateful and how much negative power a word like that holds. But I can't help but wonder if there's a better way to be going about it. Uh, and I was wondering if you had any advice or thoughts on how you would help a student to realize just how hateful and how much words like that impact other kids. Let's focus on what you can accomplish. You can't accomplish, For I guess we're going to focus first on what you can't accomplish. You're not going to be able to convince or communicate to some kid who is using anti-gay hate speech like that in a school setting the full horror and harm of it, their actions in that moment. The damage that word can do, the damage the, the casual use of anti-gay hate speech can do to the openly queer kids in your school and also to the currently closeted queer kids in your school, some of whom may be friends of the kids who are using those terms and feel unsafe and uh, unable to come out. Some of them may even be the kids who are using those words and are hiding behind them and deflecting attention away from their own sexuality by being the most anti-gay hateful little shits in the school. What's important, what you can do in that moment when you say, hey, we don't use words like that. We don't use that word. We don't use that word in that way. It's unkind and hateful and harmful. If you say that, you know what you can do in that moment? 
you can reach the closeted kid. You can reach the openly gay kid who is in class having to listen to that shit and doesn't feel like they have any allies, doesn't feel like anyone's going to stick up for them and doesn't feel safe enough or powerful enough to stick up for themselves at that moment. You get in their ears that you can't accomplish. And that is so important. What you don't want to set for yourself as a standard is, you know, pushing back so successfully that the kid that you're telling not to use the word faggot has an epiphany and goes forth and sins no more because you're going to always fail if that's your standard. What you can always succeed at, but it's harder to see the success is reaching the closeted kid in the class with the message that the world isn't entirely made up of anti-gay bigots and straight people or queer people who are afraid or unable, not empowered to stand up against that kind of bigotry, that they do have support, that there is a future coming for them if they're the closeted gay kid where they will be surrounded by new sets of peers, new authority figures who respect them. And it can be hard to see that success because that isn't going to be manifested in front of you. You know, the kids who are throwing the faggot around are probably going to keep throwing faggot around and you're going to have to push back again and again. But that kid who heard you, the authority figure, the teacher, the substitute teacher in the room, try to shut that down. It's going to be a success in that kid's head and you're not going to see it right away. The achievement in that moment is going to not be manifested in a perceivable way for you because the closeted kid who is pretending not to hear what's going on, who's sitting on the other side of the room, he or she or they are going to hear what you said and it is going to matter to them, but not in a way that they can show you in that moment. But no, you have to know that you are making a difference for those kids when you push back, for those closeted queer kids, when you push back against the openly bigoted kids in your school. Hi, Dan Nancy and the Tech Savvy At-Risk Youth. I am a 30-year-old bi woman living on the West Coast, and I have a question about the ethics of doing something nice unethically, I suppose. A little bit of background, my uh, husband and I have been together for almost 10 years, friends for quite quite a long time, and he's always had a really hard time with sharing how he feels, especially if he is feeling in any way negative toward me, very conflict avoidant, and he just has a really hard time verbalizing if he's upset with something that I've done or hurt in some way, and I know a lot of it has to do with some childhood trauma that he is currently working on in therapy, um, as well as the fact that he is autistic, and a couple of weeks ago, I found in the trash, um, it's kind of just sitting at the very top of the trash can, it had been torn into a few uh, pretty large pieces a piece of paper that very clearly had stuff about me written on it. Um, I saw some kind of keywords that, that kind of like clued me in to take a little bit closer of a look. Um, and so I, I pulled the pieces out and it was a, a pro and con list um, about me as a partner. Um, and it wasn't something I took too personally. I could tell it was his way of kind of like processing. We've been having some issues in the relationship and, you know, he's seeking therapy to kind of try and work through some of it. Um, but basically the, the short of the long is that on the, the con list was really focused around him believing that I hate things that he loves. Friends of his that he is really close with who I'm not particularly fond of. Um, he's really into video games, kind of not my thing. Um, he's hypersexual. I'm hyposexual. We're kind of working out an arrangement around that. I guess what I'm wondering is I have since finding that kind of tried to find these subtle ways to just work on those items. Suggested that one of the friends in question maybe come up for a visit in a little bit now that our guest room is ready. Trying to show a little bit more interest in his video games. I, I know it doesn't feel good to feel like the person that you love hates all the things that you love. And even though he just, for whatever reason, didn't feel comfortable bringing up this concern to me, I still want to like address it, even though he didn't bring it up. And so I guess I'm wondering, is it ethical to try to improve the way that you are in a relationship based on feedback that your partner never actually intended you to see? Are you sure he never intended you to see that torn up pro and con list? 
doesn't sound like he went to a great deal of effort to destroy it or conceal it from you. It sounds to me like he might have left it there, not torn up into tiny pieces, torn up into large legible pieces at the top of the trash, hoping that you might find it. Even if he didn't intend for you to find it, I think you could go to him and say, hey, I I found this. And you know what? Feedback received, you are right. I'm going to make a little bit more of an effort to be gracious to and get to know and find some things about your friends that I like and enjoy. And I want you to spend more time with them and try to find something about the video games that interest me too. You could take that tack or you could just take the feedback, how you got it and make these changes that it already sounds like you plan to make inviting his friend or friends to come stay now that the guest room is set up and being a little bit more, you know, cultivating a little bit more of an interest in his video games. My husband plays a lot of video games. He's interested in video games. I now know a lot about Pokemon that I don't really need to know as someone who doesn't play Pokemon. My husband also is obsessed with and has an encyclopedic, I'm not going to say that word correctly, and has a vast, we'll just go with vast, so many fewer syllables, a vast knowledge of classical music. I get dragged to the symphony a lot. I now appreciate and enjoy a lot of the classical music that I hear. I even went to a concert on my own, unaccompanied by my husband, because there was something that I wanted to hear. He knows what not to take me to. Don't go to modern music. Don't like the sound of a piano falling down the stairs. But certain kinds of classical music, I enjoy. And I now know something about because my husband's interested in it and I'm interested in the things he's interested in. You can take the same tack on video games. And not just with husbands. My husband's boyfriend, obsessed with the Real Housewives of absolutely everywhere. We have a lot of long conversations at the dinner table about the Real Housewives of absolutely everywhere. And yeah, if I can have those conversations and not just endure them, but I've come to enjoy them, you can talk with your husband about his video games and his other interests. Seems to me that the bigger challenge here, first of all, like let's just dispose of the question that you asked. Can you ethically act on the feedback that you received, this bank shot feedback that was left where you were likely to find it, but wasn't delivered to you directly and make these changes ethically without sending up a flare about making these changes, without letting your husband know message that he sent, received. Yeah, ethically, you can absolutely do that. You know, if a friend came to you and shared something with you that your husband confided in her that she really felt that you needed to know, you could act on that information without having to let your husband know that your friend perhaps violated the confidence that your husband took in her. Maybe your husband, you know, swore to secrecy, said not to say something. And she said something and asked you not to say that she said, because she didn't want to damage her relationship with your husband, but wanted to see your relationship with your husband improve. Could you ethically act on that intelligence without letting your husband know how you got your hands on it? Yeah, absolutely. Same in this instance. The bigger problem, the one I hope you're working on with your therapist would seem to me the problem that trips up a lot of other couples, not feedback and how it's received, but a hyposexual person, a very sexual person, a person with a high libido, being in a relationship with a hyposexual person, somebody with a very low libido. If you guys, if that's not the problem that you're writing me about or calling me about, if you guys have found the fix for that, Yeah, that's huge. If you guys were able to craft the accommodations, work things out that allow you to be in this relationship and be happy and for both of you to feel fulfilled and neither of you to feel neglected or shamed or shut down or coerced or bullied, yeah, you're in a really good spot. You're golden. You've fixed the problem that would destroy most relationships and your husband may have found a way to let you know about other things in the relationship that are bothering him without having to be direct. There may be more messages in a bottle for you or torn up pro and con lists in the trash for you in the future. And if your husband is doing this intentionally, I think also in the future, a day will come when you'll be able to acknowledge that this is how you received that message and the two of you will be able to laugh about it together. Hi, Dan. I feel like I'm in an odd position. 
So I've been with my boyfriend a little over two and a half years, and we were starting to really get into the having a kid conversation. He has had two kids from a previous marriage, and I want to have kids of my own. I'd known he's been on the fence of this, and really he's always told me he could go either way and just needed more time to kind of figure it out. But at this point in our relationship, I was like, we either need to move on together or apart. So we ended up breaking up for a couple weeks as we were figuring this out. And he realized he didn't want to lose me and he was willing to have kids. So we got back together. It was a tough couple weeks, but I was super happy to be with him and take the next steps. And I truly believed that this was something he wanted to do with me. So about a week after that, he gets a call from a woman that he had slept with during those two weeks that we had broken up. And she's pregnant. He was pretty devastated. He broke up with me again as he knew he wouldn't be able to have two kids in this situation and needed to just figure it out on his own. The whole thing was pretty awful and the breakup was rough and I feel like I had a life planned with this guy and it was just completely ripped away from me. So fast forward to now, which has been two months since we broke up and either this woman had a miscarriage or um, she lied about the whole thing, but she's not pregnant anymore and he wanted to know if I'd be willing to talk and if we could get back together. So I feel like it's been a pretty interesting roller coaster over the last three or four months. And I just feel like I can't make this shit up. But I love him and I miss him. And I now feel like we kind of broke up for no reason. But it's also been a shitty couple months and I've had some perspective on my relationship with him. So I've been having some hard conversations with him about concerns I had in our relationship prior. But I guess my question is, am I crazy to get back together with this guy after all this? I know why he broke up with me and I don't blame him because I don't think I could have handled being with him while he had a kid with another woman when I wanted to have a kid. But I also feel like we were happy and moving forward before this. So should I? Am I crazy? So this guy who once upon a time broke up with you because you wanted more kids and he didn't want any more kids, those few weeks when he was sleeping with somebody else, what birth control method were they using? Did the birth control method that they were using fail? Did a condom break? Was he having unprotected sex with somebody even though he didn't want any more kids and had just left a woman because he didn't want any more kids? Was he having unprotected sex with some stranger basically on her word that she was using birth control or was on birth control? Inquiring minds want to know. I think that would factor into my decision were I in your shoes because one of the things I hammer away at all the time, one of the things I think we look for when we're looking for a partner, a long-term intimate partner, particularly when we're looking to co-parent with somebody is good judgment. What kind of judgment was this guy using during his dumb spring of the couple of weeks that you guys were broken up? If you love him and want to get back together with him and you know, if he was lied to, not that he shouldn't have been taking responsibility for where he was putting his own semen when he began to date this other woman when you guys were temporarily broken up. If you want to, you know, if he was just being stupid and recognizes that, you know, life is messy and shit happens, but sometimes shit works out. And this could be one of those instances. If the only reason he broke up with you was because he couldn't give you the children that you wanted to have while also becoming a new parent with a woman that he barely knew, having another child with a woman he barely knew, as that would be way too complicated, right? He's already got kids by somebody else, having two infants by two different women, one of whom he loves and wants to be with, one of whom he barely knows and either shouldn't have trusted when she said she was on birth control or uh, should have been proactively using some form of birth control, you know, a condom himself when he was having sex with her. He obviously behaved recklessly. Was he reeling from the breakup? You know, sometimes we behave recklessly and do self-destructive things, all of us. Was that what he was doing here? Is that a pattern with him? Was it out of character? Is it something that if you do get back together with him and have kids that you're not gonna have to be worried about every moment for the rest of your life? And, oh my God, crucially, and at this moment, 
while you're thinking about getting back together with him and you're not yet back together with him, is he not putting his dick in anybody else right now, particularly that woman that he left you for? And I'm not that woman and she's the evil baddie in this. I know nothing about her and I'm not laying blame on her, but that particular, that woman in the sense of that particular woman that, you know, his interactions with led to the breakup that you're considering unbreaking up. Is he not sticking his dick in her right now? Or if he is sticking his dick in her right now, is it in a condom? I think you have a right to know and you should for your own safety, ask that question, put that question to him. If he really wants to get back together with you, marry you, have children with you, the very least he could do right now to prove to you that he's serious is to abstain from sticking his dick in a condom or not in a condom in anyone else for the time being until you make up your mind. And yeah, in answer to your question, I don't think you'd be crazy to get back together with this guy. The course of true love ne'er did run smooth. If this was a lapse in judgment, if it's not something that he routinely does, if it was uncharacteristic of him to fuck his way into this mess, then yeah, you could get back together with him. And the kids you have with him, man, what a hilarious origin story you'll be able to share with them one day. All right, before we get to this week's listener response calls, let's read some listener tweets. MX Meow tweets, Dan, you're great, but the advice you gave for the dog was terrible. The dog whisperer being sexually active doesn't make him qualified to give out sex advice. You having owned four dogs doesn't make you qualified to give out dog training advice. The caller needs an actual dog trainer. For the record, I've owned three dogs, not four, and it's not like crate training is something I made up. It is a thing dog trainers do, but I will, of course, defer to dog trainers. Are you going to eat that tweets regarding chastity devices and clenching buttholes? There is something called the bulbul cavernous reflex that might be relevant. Pressure on the glands causes sphincter tightening. The bulbul cavernous reflex sounds like the name of a Matt Damon spy thriller translated into Romanian, but it's a real thing used to test for spinal cord injuries, and it has its own fascinating wiki page. And while I don't think the caller who was wearing the male chastity device was accidentally triggering his bulbul cavernous reflex, I'm not a spinal cord specialist, just like I'm not a dog trainer, so who knows? And finally, DJMNNZ81 tweets, if in your guts you know he's nuts is ableist, how about in your anus you know he's bananas? All right, you can't spell bananas without A-N-A-S, but it'll only work as a substitute for in your guts you know they're nuts if you pronounced bananas, bananas, which I fully support and 100% endorse and sincerely hope catches on. All right. If you want me to read your tweet on an upcoming episode of the Savage Lovecast, be sure to use the hashtag Savage Lovecast. And a big thank you to everyone out there who tweeted or posted to Instagram or TikTok about the Lovecast this week. And thank you especially to at Webb Hill and at Tyler Rose RPG for creating and sharing some wonderful Savage Lovecast bingo cards on Twitter. Everyone should go look those bingo cards up and play along with us at home. And now, listener response calls. Hey, Dan, this is a call for the woman on episode 832 is in a sexless marriage. If you're in a marriage with a husband who still wants to have sex with you, is still in love with you, and you are physically repulsed by him, I, I don't know. Maybe you're you're still you know getting meals together and splitting finances and, and having good times and it's just the sex. But it sounds like this is not a companion to marriage. This is a hostage situation. And you need to set him and yourself both free. He wants sex with the person that he's in love with, and you don't ever want to give that to him. And you want sex with other people, and he doesn't want to give that to you. And the best scenario for both of y'all is to get a divorce and have shared custody of your kids and try to move on with your lives. You guys are not a fit, and you're going to make each other miserable. Trust me. Hi, Dan. This is in response to the caller in episode 832 who was getting frustrated with her difficulty orgasming while her partner found it really easy. The caller actually reached out on the Discord server to ask for more advice, and the first thing that I thought to ask was that if she was diagnosed with ADD or ADHD, which she was. Around 40% of people with ADD have some form of sexual dysfunction, and the caller mentioning that she'd had issues before going on her SSRIs strongly pointed to me that it was a difficulty in focusing because of too many distractions or not enough stimulation. 
So if any of the tech savvy at-risk youth identified with the caller, I'd just suggest keeping ADD in mind when talking to a doctor or therapist about treatment as it's been sorely underdiagnosed in women for a long time and many people have found getting treatment for ADD hasn't only helped their sex lives but also their depression or their anxiety or both. Hi, Dan. Um, this is in response to your answer to a caller in episode 832, telling someone that um, they could use cum as lube as long as they let it sit out for 30 minutes and then it would not get them pregnant. And I have to say to the caller, do not do this. My husband is the donor dad for two of our lesbian friends and his cum traveled from his house in a plastic cup in a car ride across town where it eventually, maybe within an hour, maybe a little longer, found its way to its final destination where it ultimately fertilized an egg. We are all still surprised that it worked at all and um, it happened the first time they tried. So our friends are now proud parents of a beautiful three-year-old girl. So caller, do not use cum as lube unless you are okay getting pregnant. And we're going to leave it there. Got a question for next week's Lovecast or something to say about something I said on this week's Lovecast? Record your question or your comment using the Voice Memo app on your phone and email it to us at voicemail at savagelovecast.com. Or you can call us at 206-302-2064. Submissions are now open for Hump 2023. If you get your five minutes or less porn film into the festival, you will get a cut of every ticket sold. Go to humpfilmfest.com for tickets, streaming links to Hump 2022, and all the info you need on submitting your film for Hump 2023. Get your Savage Love cast and Savage Love mugs and t-shirts. Christmas is coming right now at savage.love slash shop. Sack launches tomorrow. Sack launches my monthly Zoom hangout exclusively for Magnum subs, where I will answer Magnum sub cues. I will lay down some A's and where Magnum subs have an opportunity to chat with me directly about your question and maybe give a little advice yourself. Sack launches at 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern again tomorrow. Be on the lookout in your email for the link. And if you want to join us, if you're not yet a Magnum sub, become a Magnum sub right now at savage.love. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. Follow Jessica Pulse on Instagram at Jessica Pulse. That's J-E-S-S-I-C-A-P-A-F-S. And fuck with the tech-savvy at-risk youth on Twitter at LoveCast, T-S-A-R-Y. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech-savvy at-risk youth and Nancy. We'll all be back at you next week for an installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for telling me. Uh, but in your anus, you know, they're an ignoramus. <laughs>